everyone, it's Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. Today we're going to talk about being who you were meant to be. I'm excited to dive into this because I feel like there is so much error floating around Christian circles today. There is this message that is just constantly growing in popularity that implies that if we can just discover ourselves and be ourselves, that is the equivalent of shining God's light to this world. Now, maybe you've heard this in the package of sermons or popular Christian books or even Christian music. Now, this this message is all over in the world and the culture, but it's also very popular in the church today. Here are some of the most popular catchphrases that you might have heard. God smiles when he sees you being you. That's from a very top-selling Christian author. Another popular Christian ministry says something along these lines. God wants to unleash you. Let your inhibitions go and celebrate who you are. And another best-selling book for Christian women says, Learn to be you and let the world deal with it. Now, those sound good and they sound very freeing and, oh, that's great. I just need to be myself and that's how I honor God. But I'd like to take a deeper look at the biblical pattern. According to scripture, how do we become our true selves? How do we become the person that God intends us to be? And how do we truly shine God's light to this world? Well, the scripture that I always go back to is Matthew 16, 24. If anyone desires to come after me, Jesus says, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now to deny here means to forget oneself, lose sight of oneself and one's own interests. The pattern of the gospel is not one of self-discovery, self-esteem or self-fulfillment, but self-denial and self-abandonment. It says in Matthew 10, 39, he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, finds his life in this verse means to find self by thought, examination, scrutiny, observation, practice, and experience to see, learn, discover, and understand. Now, to me, that sounds like the ultimate definition of self-discovery or being true to ourselves that is so popular today. If you look back at this verse, it says, he who loses his life for my sake will find it. And loses his life in that context means to destroy self, to put out of the way entirely, to abolish and to render useless. Now that is the opposite of the self-discovery message that you're going to hear that is so popular today, both in the culture and in the church. Are you trying to find yourself or figure out how to be yourself? Did you know that the answer to that is not actually in complicated, introspective, self-discovery journeys that we can take and evaluating our dreams and our desires and our personalities and what our unique destiny is? The answer actually lies in self-abandonment, which means giving up your right to yourself, absolute surrender of everything you are to Jesus Christ. And that is the only way that we can be the person that God created us to be. Elizabeth Elliot said, the world looks for happiness through self-assertion. The Christian knows that joy is found in self-abandonment. If a man will let himself be lost for my sake, Jesus said, he will find his true self. Now, it's obvious that God has given each of us unique talents and abilities and desires and personalities, but he gives us these gifts so that we can surrender them back to him. 
It's only then that they can really be used for his glory. We often cling tightly to our individuality, believing that unless we're doing something that specifically caters to our specific personality and talents, then we're wasting our potential and being robbed of the opportunity to be all that we can be. In fact, we often think that it's our God-given right or duty to pursue a path that will maximize our unique strengths. But God's ways are so different from ours. Jesus' unique strengths were not maximized during his earthly ministry, if you think about it. Instead of coming to earth as a king arrayed in heavenly glory, he came as a humble baby that was born in a manger, in in a barn, in an animal stall. And instead of being surrounded by royal fanfare, he lived as a simple carpenter. And instead of being treated as the Lord of heaven and earth, he chose to take the position of a humble servant and wash the dusty feet of those who were not worthy to unloose the strap of his sandal. In all of this, he left us an example that we should follow in his steps. He willingly chose to lay down his right to applause and esteem and chose instead to make himself of no reputation. And that is the very attitude that he has called us to embrace. Now, God may choose to use our unique personality or talents in order to build his kingdom, but it's so important to realize that he is only going to do that when we have surrendered those things to him. While we're clinging to the right to have our talents maximized and our uniqueness catered to, we will stand in the way of God getting glory out of our lives. And very often he asks us to go through a season where our personal talents are hidden, unnoticed, unrecognized, and unappreciated so that we can learn to be all about his glory instead of our own. If you think about Paul spending 12 years hidden in Arabia, or Moses tucked away on the backside of the desert for 40 years, both of those men had a very profound calling on their lives. But before they could really be useful for God's purposes, they had to lay down every ounce of personal confidence and ambition. They were willing to be unrecognized and unseen. Their talents wasted and their strengths overlooked. Only after they had willingly become nobodies did God work mightily through their lives to progress his kingdom and alter the course of history. I think I may have shared in other podcasts that during my teen years, I wanted to be a Christian musician. And I built my life around opportunities to showcase my unique abilities. And it actually really crowded out my opportunity to be outward focused because why would I spend time serving elderly people in my church or helping my mom clean the house when I could be performing on stage or writing new songs? I became convinced that if I could cultivate my talents, I could bring glory to God. But when I surrendered my life to Christ, he asked me to lay my musical pursuits on the altar. I actually walked away from opportunities to be noticed and recognized. God challenged me to just worship him in secret for his ears alone. I learned how to spend my time serving, not trying to be noticed. And at first it was difficult to let go of those dreams and allow my talent to remain hidden, but soon it became a great joy to surrender this gift back to the one who had given it to me in the first place. And years later, God allowed me to share my music with others once again, but it was only after my motives were purified and I cared 
about his glory and not my own. So I encourage you to ask God to show you any areas where you've been clinging to your right to be noticed for your unique strengths or talents or personality. Are you willing to lay those things down and take the lowest place just as Jesus did? Remember, Jesus said that unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. Only when it dies will it be able to produce lasting fruit. I mentioned in the last episode a story about Lilius Trotter, who was a missionary in the early 1900s, and she actually gave up an amazing art career in order to serve among the poorest of the poor. And one of the things that she said was, it is lost to keep what God says, give. And that is so true. It seems foolish to give up these things in the world's eyes, but in God's eyes, it is beautiful because it's surrender and obedience. Another great example is Eric Little, who gave up worldly applause for obscurity in China. When he had won the Olympic gold medal, he could have gone on to have a glittering career as a famous athlete, but he chose to become a missionary in China. He chose obscurity, and people didn't understand that, but he said, I'm running a race greater than any that the Olympics could ever offer. I'm running for a heavenly crown. It says in Philippians 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who made himself of no reputation. Isn't that so counterintuitive? And it's so different than those message, uh, messages of promote yourself, discover yourself, be yourself, be you, let other people deal with it. This is the ultimate act of humility to make yourself of no reputation. That is what Jesus did, and that is what he asked us to do to follow in his steps. One of the enemy's most sneaky tactics among women today is to get us distracted with self-analysis. The question, who am I? Who am I meant to be? What is my destiny? These really are always on our minds in today's world. We take these elaborate personality tests. We go to career counselors. We build up our special hobbies and gifts. We we try to create our own unique Instagram you know, boards and Pinterest boards, and we imbibe self-help books in an effort to discover and express who we are. But I believe we've become preoccupied with the wrong question. If we are truly daughters of the king, we shouldn't be concerned with who we are. Our focus should be centered around a completely different question, who is he? When we know who Jesus is and we understand what it means to be found in him, the question, who am I, is automatically solved. He is the vine, we are the branches, and without him, we can do nothing. Only when our identity becomes wrapped up in Jesus Christ and not in ourselves can we become the women he has called us to be. So if you have been looking for your unique identity in anything outside of Jesus Christ, ask him for the grace to shift your focus. Fix your gaze upon him, find your strength in him, and build your life around him. If you truly know who he is, you will understand who you are. Until our identity becomes wrapped up in Jesus Christ, we're always going to be searching for a counterfeit identity. We are so prone to looking to everything but him to define who we are. But the Bible makes it clear that the Christian life is not about self-expression or self-fulfillment, but self-denial. 
As we follow Jesus and we yield our lives to him, we are meant to lose our own identity and take on his instead. So we're no longer going to be defined by our own personality, tastes, or desires. Even though we have a unique personality, our lives should now be defined by the simple, amazing fact that we are daughters of the King and bondservants of the Most High God and that we are in Christ Jesus. He alone must become our identity. The Apostle Paul is such a great example of of this. In 1 Corinthians 2, he says, I determined to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. Now, Paul had a very impressive list of accomplishments by human standards, but they actually meant nothing to him once his identity became wrapped up in Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.3 reminds us of the incredible transformation that takes place when we enter into a covenant relationship with the king of all kings. It says, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, hidden in this verse means to conceal, to escape notice. Christ's amazing work on the cross did not set you free to be you, as some modern Christian voices will tell us. Rather, he gave his life to set you free from yourself so that you no longer need to be controlled by your selfish, fleshly whims. Because of his work on the cross, you are free to become completely and wholly his. Now, your individual personality and your specific likes and dislikes won't just disappear when your life is hidden with Christ, but they should no longer be the focal point of your existence. When people look at your life, they should not primarily see you, they should see Jesus, his nature, his attitude, his love, and his life. Your job is not to fight for your own individuality, but to fight for his glory. Just like Paul, let your own preferences, desires, and accomplishments fade into the background and become nothing in light of who he is. Let his astounding, amazing, awe-inspiring presence overtake your personality and transform it into a reflection of him. And as you do, you'll discover who God made you to be, a vessel in the potter's hand, a soldier of the cross, and a privileged servant of the king of all kings. Remember, that question, who am I, is not nearly as important as the question, who is he? If you're searching for identity and grasping for your life's purpose, Jesus made things very simple when he said, it is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. Think about that. This is the great privilege of every set-apart follower of Jesus. Why would we ever want to be more than a disciple of the king of all kings? The world can keep its frantic fight for individuality and self-discovery. Being like Jesus is the truest identity that we could ever find and the greatest purpose we could ever have. And it is enough. It's more than enough to fulfill us at the deepest level of our soul. So let's let a new prayer come from our hearts today. Lord, may I not seek to be more and more like me, but to be more and more like you. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into this topic, I encourage you to visit setapartgirl.com and especially see the online courses that we have. We have a course specifically called True Identity, and it's four weeks of video teaching where I share with you all of the biblical principles about building your life around Christ and finding your identity in him. There are articles and other podcasts and great resources there that can really help you understand what it means to really find your identity in Christ instead of in your own self-promotion. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.